When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. <laughs> What's funny is I'm going to cut right there. So people are oh, yeah. going to know what you just said. <laughs> All right. Anyway, this is Talk Texas podcast. My name is Daniel Tulip. It's your boy Double H. We do the podcast every Wednesday, let's say. Um, follow the podcast on Twitter, formerly, or X, formerly known as Twitter. I call it Twitter. Fuck Instagram. that South African dude, bro. It's a, it's a Twitter, man. Second. I'm at Daniel to look. Halfhope, where can people get you? Uh, where can they get me? Oh, yeah. Halfhopefootballhot.com. Uh, Patreon. So check out the Patreon. Uh, we talked about Spike this week. So Spike Lee. Um, that's how you can support the podcast and make sure that we keep doing this silly thing. Yeah, I just want to get to the football stuff. So whatever. Um, so last week, did we speak about German football? I'm sure we did. Because Leverkusen and, and Bayern was a whole thing. Mm. Another reason why I'm glad that we're not necessarily recording on Mondays. Yeah, yeah, we used to record on Mondays. News would always break on Tuesday and Wednesday, which would then have the podcast. What is it, why did we even record that? So Thomas Tuchel is going to quit Bayern at the end of the season. That news broke earlier today. So I want your thoughts on Thomas Tuchel leaving Bayern. And my question is, almost the same with Xavi, if the situation is so untenable that the coach knows he's going to get sacked at the end of the season, why don't you just leave now? Yeah, no, that's the question I asked because I'm like, I feel this this is more pertinent to the two-culture situation than with Xavi. I think with Xavi, okay, things are not great. But I don't think there's a massive disconnect between him and the players. And also, he's a Barca Catalonia legend. Tuchel, you have no ties to, to Bayern. And the team has a nosedive since you've been there. And I know for a fact that there are a lot of players who are like, bro, get rid of this freaking dude, bro. So my thing is, so imagine this situation. We know that the players are not happy playing on you. The players are out of position. They're playing badly. And you can feel like there's a disconnect. So now they know that you're leaving. How is training going to go? So Suga says, yo, man, come on, let's work harder. Wait, why? You're gone in the summer. Let's just vibe out and whatever. Whatever you, you say, you have no power here. The higher-ups have already said that you're a bum and you're leaving. So anything you say, screw you. I'm not going to just play for myself and vibe out. Bad move by Bayern. Two things you, you do. Either you sack him now or you say nothing and you wait until the summer. Now, some band fans were saying to me online that um, band don't want to be a club since to always be sacking managers mid-season and also they want to think long and hard and make a right proper hire to take over. 
And I'm like, this, you could do some serious damage to Bayern by letting this happen. Now, who knows? What if they do this and for some strange, weird reason, it kicks them into gear and they start saying, what's up? And they start winning games. I doubt it. I don't think so. But that could happen. But I think from what we've seen is the right move was sack him now. After Bokum, Bokum, sack him <laughs> then. And then bring just bring in someone new because you knew after that, that Bokum lost that year. Like, look, it's over, bro. It's over. And once you lose the dressing room, you never get it back. Never. Never. There's never been a manager who's lost a dressing room that has gained its back. Never. It's impossible. You know, my question with the whole the losing the dressing room and the players aren't playing for manager X anymore. And I realized that, you know, the players aren't avatars. They're real people with emotions and you can fall out with people in different things. But you're not just playing for the manager. It reminds me of me when I was a kid and I would be in school. I'd be in class. And I wouldn't like the teacher. So my natural behavior was somebody who was talkative. I'd want to talk about what happened in the NFL or the NBA to whoever my homie was in class. And we would be talking in the back. I never got in trouble for like fighting, but it would be just like smart Alec comments. Mm. And there are ways that people who are in positions of power can handle you and how, how they choose to, you know, the the interpersonal communication. And I would always get this sense from particular people that, man, you know, I don't I don't like this person. I, I didn't have the words for it when I was a kid, but it's basically this person doesn't fuck with me, you know? Mm. So in my ignorance, I would then pretend, not even pretend, I would act as if the classwork that I didn't do was to spite them. So my grades would sometimes plummet depending on the course or class i would just be like i'm not doing any work in that class i don't care because mm. that that I, I don't feel a connection to the teacher the teacher doesn't like me so in a, in, a, in in essence i was cutting off my nose to spite my face i only understood once i reached university really that whatever relationship i have with the person who's in charge of the class that doesn't mean anything they don't care they go home and it is what it is i have to do this work for me so when I got to university, that's when I was like, I did better. I excelled, you might say. Mm. But in grade school, it's just like, man, I don't, me I don't mess with Miss Simmons. Fuck her. Like, she don't fuck with me. So I wouldn't do my algebra homework. Out of spite to her. I feel like footballers do the same thing. Where the manager doesn't like me. Therefore, I'm not going to run. I'm not going to train. Whatever the, that energy is. It's like you're mm. not. Uh, yes, you can in essence, like if enough students in the class don't do their work in this analogy, they get mm. the teacher fired. I guess that's what could happen in football. But you just end up looking bad. And that's not good for anybody. Like Bayern haven't been horrible this year. They've been well below their own standards, but they haven't been horrible. My question is, so if you're someone like Kimmich, there's clearly a, a, a vibe that Tuchel doesn't fuck with me. Mm. Do you down tools and look bad yourself out of spite to Tuchel? Or should you become the leader that the team needs and put them on your back and actually perform and do what's best for yourself and the club? You see, okay, here's the thing. It's different scenarios. So the analogy of you and your teacher, how many teachers do you have a given year? Seven, eight different teachers of different things. So there are teachers who you hate, you like, uh, cool. 
So you're getting, you're in different kinds of scenarios because you have different teachers. That manager is your manager. And for many players, you spend more time with other players and your manager than with your own family. Mm -hmm. So there is a much more closer, intimate relationship you have with the manager than with a school teacher who is it's one out of six or seven. <laughs> and you don't see them for, it's, it's what, it's literally, it's five hours, maybe a week. If you're saying like a, a, a lesson is an hour, but when you're in that club, you're seeing your manager in the morning for breakfast. You're seeing him for, for training. You may see him in the evening. You're seeing him before match day. He's back in your orders for you during the match day. Then there's now they decompress after the match. You spend a lot of time. Mm. So you're sort of in a bubble. So it's hard for your brain to take yourself out of that bubble and be like, look, man, forget the manager. Let me do this for me. But if you're in this bubble where this manager treats you badly, you have issues with him and you're in such close proximity, it's just mentally affects you to be like, man, screw this, this guy. And you'd be like, nah, I'm going to down tools to sort of make a point to him. So you have to understand the kind of specific bubble they're in where it is very, it's hard for us to say this, which makes sense, but we are outside of the, of the, of the bubble. Mm. But in that bubble, it's hard to have that mindset of, no, 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 look, it's bigger than the manager. Let me put myself the best possible platform. But, if I have an, it's like boarding, like it's like in school how you have boarding people and day people. So day people, you have an issue with this bully or something like that. Okay, five pm you get to go home. But if you're like a boarder, you have to deal with it. So because that's it. This is what this is where you are twenty four seven. So for someone like a, a chemic, if this guy's treating me badly, no, I am going to do something to make him know that this is wrong. That's just being. A, that, that's actually just being a human being. Okay, so now this is just the last part on this. I don't want to belabor it. Do you think it's a conscious decision? So obviously in retrospect, I can look back and see, oh, that's what younger Daniel was thinking. Mm. Like this is what younger me was thinking. But in the moment, I couldn't have given you that analysis of what was happening, so to speak. Do you think Kimmich, like this is a conscious decision that he's playing below his level and not just to single him out because there are many examples. Yeah. But I don't think it might not be conscious. It could just be the subconscious of I only play well when I feel I'm appreciated, or at least I play well when I feel I'm not being disrespected. It, it might not be something that they consciously know they're doing. It could just be a consequence of whatever the situation is. And then like only in retrospect, when they get a new manager, they're like, hey, like I'm actually playing better. I don't know why. No, but no, it's it's different with every player. Mm. So there are some players who, oh, if you mess me around, I am going to consciously play badly. And the other players who, oh, no, I'm the consummate professional. And me playing badly just because the tactics are garbage. So I'm not consciously doing this, but I'm just doing this through the natural order of football where you've not set the team up well. You're playing me out of position, give me wrong instructions, so I look badly. So that's what, so, so so for Kimmich, I for Kimmich, I have no 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 idea because I don't know who Joshua Kimmich is. So I don't know whether he's doing this because his his personality would be like, nah, I'm downing tools. Or again, like the Obi Mikel interview, you can clearly see Eden Hazard is that type of a player. That he's that type of a player where if I'm not happy, I will show you why I'm not happy and I'll, and I'll just down tools. 
if I'm happy, I'll play well. If I'm if I'm unhappy now, but for other guys, like no, my happiness or not happiness, I have to be a consummate professional. Because mm-hmm. you know, Hazard was not a professional. That's that's just a fact. He was there to have fun. So I, you know, I, I, it's different people. I watched. I watched. So yeah. we, we we can get into it. Um, but no, okay. So for years, I've said Bayern are the best run club in Europe, and I think that was true. But lately, the political situations at Bayern have become a little bit too much for me to give them that tag. I don't know who the next best club is. I would put Bayern and Ajax as the two, but as of recently, they've they've both gone a bit sideways. It almost felt as if they're keeping Tuchel because of what they did with Nagelsmann. So Nagelsmann, we didn't... Nagelsmann didn't align with the political higher-ups at Bayern Munich. So they sacked him. They brought in Tuchel, but because Tuchel, but because Tuchel has been doing so poorly relative to the standard that was set by Flick and Nagelsmann, the, the obvious answer is to sack him. But they can't, because if they sack him, then it's a tacit, implicit admission that, well, why did you get rid of Julian? It just begs that question. Because he wasn't doing this bad. So they have to give him every opportunity to fail. You can't lose to Bochum after losing to Lazio, after losing 3-0 to... Like, these, those three things shouldn't happen at Bayern Munich. I don't care. So for him to still have a job secured until the end of the season, when you have Leipzig next... And I think they play another. Game I think it's in Freiburg. I think Freiburg yeah, and, and then, then Bozo FC. And then there's no guarantee that those. Let me. <laughs> I was gonna say those races from Italy, but I can't put that on the whole club. <laughs> no, 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 no. Just, no, just, just call them Bozo FC. I call them Bozo FC. <laughs> but there's no guarantee you're beating them. So let's let's imagine like the worst case scenario. So let's say Leverkusen win their game. On Friday, they go 11 points clear, which is already a bit crazy. Then Bayern lose to Leipzig. So just basically solidifying the title is going to to Bayer Leverkusen. Can you wait? Can you allow him another few days to get to that Lazio game? Or do you just accept what's going to happen in the summer already? I feel like it would be better for everybody if he just left. This is not a Klopp situation where... The announcement is going to make everybody play better because of, he means so much to the club. It's mm. not even a Xavi situation, as you said, where he Xavi means something to Barcelona and to Catalonia. That Tuchel, he's just here because he, he speaks the language and he's coached. He won a Champions League with Chelsea. Like he's he's there based off resume, but not what he means to the club. For his sake, I hope they win on the weekend. But if they don't, whatever response you have, you can give it. I want to know what do you think is next for this person, because I have no clue. Wait, 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 who? Z Tuchel. Where, where does he go next? I saw a link with him in Barcelona. Lord oh, no, that's mercy. not happening. Never happening. No, no. Barcelona would riot. Um, it, maybe like, Italy. Yeah, yeah. Italy, maybe may somewhere in Italy would walk. You know. Napoli. Potentially. Napoli. That might work. Like that. That feels like his level, doesn't it? Yeah. Because obviously, Napoli have an interim guy mm. up until the summer when he now goes to Slovakia, you know. 
um, I think it's called calzone, which is a type of food <laughs> that I just found out. So, like, what I've never had a, a calzone be, be, You've before. You've never had a calzone before? No. Nah. It's I like, people say, oh, did you know what's it? I'm sorry, I've never had a calzone before. It's like a folded, the best way to describe it, maybe, is like a folded pizza. It's right. I was about to say, don't, don't, don't say it's an inverted pizza. Like if the crust enveloped a whole pizza. Oh, wow. Just eat a regular pizza. It's not worth the money that they charge for it. Um, no, no, no. But I could see him in Italy. Like, I think his tactical defensiveness, pragmatic, if you would, I think it could work there. The only question is, as is, as is always the case with Tuchel, I, I'm not quite sure his mind's history, but you fell out with Dortmund, you fell out with PSG, clearly you fell out with Chelsea. Political situation at Bayern is a, is a bit different. I don't know if he's fallen out, but it's become untenable. Mm. De Laurentiis is someone who's not to be trifled with. So that seems like a conflict waiting to happen. But maybe you get a good 12 months or 18 months out of him and you can get back to where Napoli have been. They shouldn't be ninth in the, in the Serie A table, which is where I think they are. And you might get some... 100 million, 120 million, whatever the release clause on Osimhen is, because he might go to PSG or Arsenal or Chelsea or where. So you might have some cash to work with. But Tuchel's taste in players is, is it's, wretched. It's, 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 it's Bring trash. Me, who? who? <laughs> Sorry, it sounded like an owl. Who in their right mind is like, bring me Eric Dyer? <laughs> yeah, like, that's what's madness. Bring me Eric. Eric who? Dyer, oh wow, I, I'd have sacked him then. <laughs> you want, nah, bye. No, no, but, but he's like, it's, it's, it's squad tax, squad tax, but still, no, no, it's, no. it sends the wrong message, man. Immediate sack. You want Eric Dyer in 2024. Even, there has never been a year where I've looked at Eric Dyer. Sorry to Eric Dyer. He's a professional football. He's done way more in the game than I will ever do. And more than I've ever dreamed, okay? I've never looked at him and thought, "Ooh, that's a good player." Him and him and Conte have the worst taste in players. <laughs> and I saw Antonio Conte linked with the Bayern job. What? Oh no, 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 no! Gollum, Gollum is linked. I saw that too. Yeah, that's that probably that's the one that everyone has been saying. Oh, Sokcha is like, excuse me, <laughs> Gollum, fuck out of here, bro. In, in any event, in any event, in any event, um, let's talk about, I don't know, which is more interesting. Let's talk about Manchester United. So Manchester United have won, I think, six or seven straight games. Um, maybe it's more than that. Maybe I'm thinking Hoyland has scored in six or seven straight games. Yeah, yeah, youngest, youngest um, Premier League players have scored in six consecutive EPL games. Manchester United are playing better. <laughs> Is this more the competition they've played, or are you seeing signs of improvement, signs of life, if you will, from Manchester United? Um, I think no, no. I I, I think they've they've hit a good a good period, and I think what helps is the Moose man. Um, the 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 Moose is scoring, and he's scoring consistently. Like that always helps when your striker is clinical and is finishing. It will always help you. So, but it just shows you how things change in football. You remember, like a few months ago, Ten Hag out. Ten Hag is trash. He's useless. This, that, and everything. Fast forward a few months, bro. United are really on form, and they now could actually really get into one of those um, UCL positions, man. Uh, 
But sorry, man, Venga, man, Venga has to has to pay for his crimes. How how do you popularize being a loser? <laughs> because top getting top four is literally a glorified loser. Like no, uh, it's 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 a competition. The point is to win. So everybody, people who come from second to twentieth, you're losers. <laughs> you lost. So it just it sounds harsh. So I'm I'm bringing this up because of the Luton game, where Luton were the best team on the pitch. They just lost the game. Mm. So the question has been: Yes, Manchester United have played well. We're looking at the results now. They beat Luton, they beat Villa, they beat West Ham, they beat Wolves. Um, so they've won four in a row. But if you look at how they've won the games, they haven't been convincing. The Wolves game was the Kobe Mino winner at the end, I believe. Mm. Okay, you beat West Ham 3-0. I'm forgetting the Villa results, so I'll click, click on that one quickly. Scott McTominay, 86-minute winner. Um, and again, Luton, I thought played United off the pitch. They had more passes. Like it, it was one of those weird stat lines that you look at where it's like, wait a minute, that's that team and that's the other one. So Luton <laughs> had 60% possession against Manchester United. Uh, they had 530 passes to Manchester United's 400. I mean, it was... They got bossed, but Manchester United won because of mistakes in the first seven minutes. Um, so there is this debate about, okay, what happens when we hit a tougher part of the season? And if we look at it here, they play City, Everton is what it is, Sheffield is what it is, Brentford is what it is. Then you get Chelsea, Liverpool, Bournemouth, Newcastle. Like when we get to a more difficult portion of the year, how will this counterattacking style fare against better teams? You can't give City sixty percent of. The, if Luton are getting sixty percent possession, what would City have? Seventy, mm-hmm. eighty? Is that is that good? I mean, if you win, it's a results business. So I suppose if you win, it is what it is. But um, yeah, I'm cautiously optimistic about United, but not this season. More next season. And I don't know why. I just feel as if maybe they're turning some sort of a corner. But I need to see more evidence against better opposition. So, anyway. Um, I mean, look, look, I mean, for, for, for United, it's basically it's what Ineos is going to do. Like my brother sends me a WhatsApp saying that, you know, what's it called? Glazes out in your back. You know, the glory days are back. I'm like, ah, bro, I'll, I'll chill out. I'll say, look, I, I the saw Qataris. that they're bringing uh, that Ratcliffe is open to bringing back number 11. Oh, I'm Hetafe, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said, what? <laughs> like, uh, I don't look, think Man United in, in Pigeon would be happy though. They they, they still support him. <laughs> <laughs> what yo the? I don't know. It's like a trope or something about Nigerians supporting eleven. What do you mean by a trope? No, they they fully. They, these are hardcore United fans, and yes, they fully support it. One hundred percent. It's crazy. 
I guess because he was the 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 charges never stuck. Mm. So I guess but you're backed by some sort of legal something that oh well he he wasn't guilty in court. Oh yeah, so. that's what they, they said. Well, he wasn't found guilty. So what it, what are we saying? We don't we don't care what evidence is out there. He wasn't found guilty. So what's <laughs> what's your problem? So. I wanted people to hear me typing. Oh. Because I don't want to say this person's name, but I've forgotten their number. Why do I feel like it's 26? Number 26, 22, sorry, sorry. 22 also had a similar uh, experience for Manchester City. But, um, you know, I think he plays in France now. Uh, mm -hmm. But, um, yeah. Mandy, Mandy, Mandy. Mandy. Oh. <laughs> well, no, but, but no, but, but, but he was yeah, he was he was found like innocent, wasn't he? Ben Mendy. I it, he was acquitted. That's not the same as innocence. Oh, oh so, so still feel he was guilty. He, <laughs> I, I don't crazy, know. Man. I don't know. And that's the we don't know. <laughs> that's it's like that's the, no. We, we can see no. See, yeah, you can't do that. Say his name. His name, his name is Benjamin Mendy. <laughs> because my thing is that for Ben Mendy, we have no clue. For our friend in Hetzalfe, where the wood is green, we saw, we literally had it. <laughs> so, so where the wood is, is green, we, re, we literally had stuff. So I'm like, yeah, we've basically, it's similar to the John Terry stuff, not John Terry. Before YouTube pulled down the video, we saw what he said to Anton Fernand. So we saw it until YouTube pulled down the video for evidence. But for Ben Mendy, nobody knows anything. Because there's literally zero. We, we, so it isn't the same as Terry or the wood is green. So. Um, pause. Um, yeah, I was about to say, yeah, that's, that's, a, yeah, yeah. Cameron Mace wouldn't be happy about that, man. <laughs> Hey yo, that's crazy, bro. That's crazy. Oh, man, that's crazy. <laughs> oh, come um, on, but but <laughs> man, that show is, bro. I, I don't know. Mace was that funny. I didn't come as funny. Mace is hilarious. It's the way I didn't know the guy was really that funny. Slow with it. He's like, it's the cadence. It's the cadence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you imagine he was a preacher? And I've, and I've, saw, I've seen some some clips, and the guy actually has bars in, in his in his preaching room. So I'm sure he does. There was a a tweet today, and I I was very quick with it. Um, it asked, you know, gun to your head, one has to go. And a lot of Chelsea Chelsea fans were saying, "Well, just shoot me. I can't choose. Like you would have to shoot me." So the pictures were Drogba, Czech, Lampard, Terry. I didn't even think. I just quote tweeted and I put two six and I put his send. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my question to you. To but but before we get into the Eden stuff, mm. um, Drogba, Lampard, Terry, check. Terry, what is the what is the objectively correct answer? Because I'm very clear that that's not an objective answer for me. That that Terry. <gasps> Is my is my pick, but because of who he is as a person. Okay. But objective? like the objective footballing reality, he's not the pick. The objecting football reality is the uncomfortable decision. I think I have to say it might be Didier. He, um, 
Probably because if because I was going to say because so I was going to go for a check, but the guy was literally the best keeper in the world before a guy split his head up in two pieces. And goalkeepers so, last longer than any position on the pitch. Yeah. He he didn't leave Chelsea because he was trash. He left Chelsea because Thibaut Courtois existed, you know, and they held they and they held Courtois on loan for three years because Czech was who he was. Lampard, you're not replacing those goals in midfield, so the choice is. In a footballing reality, I think. I mean, it's yeah, it's because Terry and Drogba, but I don't value. know. I think it is Drogba. I mean, look, because all four are crucial. Czech, one of the best keepers at the time. John Terry, one of the best defenders at the time. Lampard, arguably the best goal scoring midfield at the time, and Drogba, the most clutch striker at the time. So, mm-hmm. without Drogba's goals, what happens? Without Lampard's goals, what happens? Without Terry's defending, what happens? Without Czech's keeping what happens but, but if you have to pick a thing it's like like i don't think drogba for his position yeah. was at the level as everyone else in their position so lampard like the, the, the 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 case to be made is everyone but drogba can be argued as the best in their position in the history of the premier league you can make a case Terry's the best center back ever. Would you? Would he get it above Rio, above Vidic? Maybe not, but you can make a mm. case. Lampard, would he get it above Gerrard, Scholes, De Bruyne now? Maybe, maybe not. Check, mm. does he get there above Schmeichel and different... Like, maybe, but you could make a case in terms of clean sheets and different things. There's zero case to be made for Didier Drogba as the best striker. So, yeah. Yeah. but then... <laughs> The way that Drogba played his position is his case. Because there are two center backs on the pitch. You could find somebody to pair that's not Terry with Carvalho. There's three mid there's three midfielders. You could find somebody to go with Makalele and Balak. Maybe you could find a serviceable keeper, but can you find somebody who plays a lone striker as well as DJ Drogba? Yeah. Maybe you could find Zlatan or somebody like that, but they don't make a lot of those. So it's an, it's an interesting question. But personally, get rid of 26. Yeah, obviously. Come on. That's, that's obvious. <laughs> All right. But no, uh, Hazard. So you you were waiting for weeks <laughs> for uh, him to go on the Obi-Wan podcast. And he did. What were your impressions of Hazard um, in, that, in that setting? Um, How did you watch it, by the way? Did you get like a meal, big screen TV? Yeah, or did you watch it on your phone? Or, like, no, did you make a are, you, are you mad, bro? It was on my bloody <laughs> um, um, old, um, QLED TV, man. Full on. What are you crazy? Yeah. I like, yeah, I, I waited, got the meal ready, sat down, boom. Yeah, man. You had a meal. What meal? Oh, um, chips, sea bass. Okay. So. You know, salad, salad on the, on the side. You know, yeah. You know, I'll, I'll skip how's other thing. I, just, Look, I watched it on my computer, but go for it. Oh, wow. cheap. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's, it's what I expected, man. Like, Hazard was he he was that guy because I think like when you look at a lot of football players, like your personality merges with what happens. And I think the points he was making, I think the key points was the whole Haaland thing, is that like. I asked people, how many players, how many teams do you watch because that said player is playing for them? It's not, it's not, it's not a lot. It's not a lot. Because everything is about data, stats, analysis, GA, um, distance covered, all that crap. 
But someone like Hazard, even when you just look at his mentality was, I'm not here for tactics. If we're here to play football, I'm there. Tactics? No. It's like, no, that's that's bloody boring. So I'm, so I'm a footballer. I play football in a pure way. I don't mean to sit down and learn about distance covered, counter pressing, runs to make, which which positions I should take. That's freaking boring, bro. And that's not football, you know. Like football is something you feel. Mm-hmm. Which is why I say like the the best middle ground is where you give someone a blueprint, you let them cook, and the cream will always rise to the top. The truly elite players, they don't need to be micromanaged. <laughs> The truly exceptional players, they say, what's up? Like, even in the Mourinho interview, he said, like, um, the real Ronaldo, he hardly trained. He didn't even train properly. But then he then go crazy um, on the wee weekend. So, yeah, I mean, it's just interesting where, like, you know, it's the culture of football has now changed. You know, where everybody now has to be a hard worker. And it's like, no, I actually miss the luxury player. And the fact about it is that we appreciate the hard workers and we appreciate the role players. But it's the luxury players that actually make us fall in love with football, you know, mm. so. It was funny when, you know, M- Mikel didn't want to out Conte as the guy that made Hazard <laughs> miserable, but he couldn't contain himself. <laughs> first off, uh, not even first off, just as an aside. Like, I like it that all of Hazard's dudes are the African players. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Demba Ba. So, so he, he said Demba Ba saved him, maybe because they spoke French, but um, mm. when he when he couldn't speak English. And then the rice pudding with Victor and, and John. He said, that's how I learned English, was talking with you guys. So it's it's interesting. And you can kind of see that in, in his personality. But either way, um, <clears throat> what he said about, you know, his best time at Chelsea was with Conte. And he would, I, I thought he was going to say the sorry season, 1819, the one before when he went to Madrid. But he said with Antonio Conte. But then he, he doubled that with, or coupled that with, it was the most miserable time during the week because of all of the training sessions, two, three hours of this is where you stand, this is all of the tactical things and this, this, this. He said he had to make those 90 minutes on Saturday and Sunday the best time because it was the only time that he wasn't like being pulled and given instructions. So I thought that was really interesting about how he thought with Conte, I need to take advantage of the game because it's the only thing that's fun that we do is play Mm. the game. All the other stuff is boring. Um, So, and he was somebody who, he used the word boring a lot, I felt. Mm. It's just like, if it's not fun, I don't want to be doing this. And it was, and another interesting thing was, it seems as if this what it's not necessarily something that's just a personality trait. It's something that, because he brought, he referenced his father a lot too. And it seems as if fun or wanting to do it is something that was instilled in him from a young, from a young age that you need to have fun, not just accumulate stats or the X's and O's, but the game is a game, mm. you know, it's not, it's work obviously, but at the end of the day, you're playing a, a kid's game for money. So have fun. And I felt that was important. And it seemed as if his father or his family, which I know is a sporting family, 
seemed quite keen on enforcing that idea or reinforcing the idea that football is fun, which translates it translates to his style of play, translates to his personality, and uh, yeah, I found him a compelling character and somebody that um, if I was in a dressing room probably would end up being friends with, you know, because it's just he, he just seems like yeah, a, no, a, he's, a, he's very chill. a real person. Yeah, just he seems like a real person. Um, even when he was talking about money, you know, <laughs> he was like money, like money is cool. And it's easy to say that when you're rich already, but, um, you know, money is, it is what it is. But if I'm not enjoying what I'm doing, then the money's not worth it. And I feel that, um, cause there's no way he wouldn't have had offers from Saudi Arabia and different places, but I'm happy at home. You know what I mean? So, um, he seems like somebody who's happy and. And that's good. And the the context, and I'll throw it to you after this, the context of him not having a physio because of COVID, I think, and this is something I, I learned when we were doing our Belgium preview at the World Cup, but it was good to hear him say it himself. Like that recovery period from his ankle surgery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how that affected his trajectory at Real Madrid by having to do his rehab alone. I think it's good for people to hear that and understand that, that his failed, I think he wouldn't even disagree with it. His failed Real Madrid time has, it has more context than just Eden ate himself into retirement or something along those lines. Cause if you remember before the moon, the Mounier tackle that basically mm. put him out, he was doing all right. He wasn't fantastic, but he was slowly getting back into it. Um, but then that ankle injury happened and the subsequent situations kind of transpired from there, but it was good to hear him give those reasons and be a little bit self-critical as well. Um, even though he said he wouldn't do anything different, you could kind of tell he thought about it a little bit and he was like, ah, there is one thing, you know? Um, so yeah, yeah, I, 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 I like hearing that from him. Yeah, man. No, 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 no. It was, I think, look, I mean, it's, that's the beauty of players like him is when you just see him at his best, you're like, oh, no, no, this was a quality player. And I think that to see when you see how it's ended, recency burns like, oh, man, Real Madrid, blah, blah. But then, Time is always the clear indicator. Like, no one shows clips of Dino's days in Brazil or his last few days. They just show Dino at his best. So I think when all is said and done and years go go by, guys are like, man, that really was one of the best players we ever saw in the Premier League. You know, yeah. some of the goals that this guy did and some of the things he was able to do as an individual were in- incredible, you know. So... Yeah. Did, yeah. Is there any hint on who the next... Mikel interview will be? <laughs> oh, not yet, bro. No, not yet. But he's, he's going to do drug boss soon. He has to. He has, he has to do drug um, boss soon. So let's link that with... So Chelsea drew with City and Chelsea have Liverpool on Sunday. So mm-hmm. I was arguing with forward. I don't want Chelsea to win a trophy as long as Clear Lake are the owners. <laughs> And forwards like, I think you just want Chelsea to suffer while these dudes are our owners. I said, yeah, <laughs> like that is exactly it. So then A1 came in and was like, bro, Daniel spit it. 
And I was like, hey, hey, hang on. Like, Arsenal are in a similar situation. Just because you guys got good in the last 18, 24 months, uh, you guys still have bad ownership that care more about the Denver Nuggets and the LA Rams than they do Arsenal. It's just, it, they've just so happened to stumble into a good team. Um, and I used Arsenal as an example in that in that group chat by saying, I saw what the FA Cup runs did on Arsenal Fan TV, on Twitter, with Arsenal fans that I know. It papers over cracks when you win trophies. It's it's a good thing, I guess, psychologically for like fans to celebrate, but you, you get into this kind of cyclical it's just happiness devolution everybody's angry and then they kind of give you something to celebrate and then it kind of goes in a loop like that chelsea are in a far worse position than arsenal have ever been the worst arsenal finished i think was eighth within the past however many years Mm. chelsea are on i mean we discovered this a few weeks like they finished Bottom half, they're gonna probably do it again. You know, maybe they might get to eighth or ninth at best. But last season, what were they? Eleventh, twelfth, something like that. Twelfth. So twelfth. This Arsenal never got this bad. What was what, 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 what saved the Cronkies actually was like you mentioned him earlier, but like the genius in effect of Arsene Wenger. Like how he was able from twenty ten to twenty seventeen ish to keep that team somewhat competitive in the Champions League at least for a large portion of it all credit goes to Wenger in my opinion like the ownership group wasn't doing much for him then you know things change hands Mikel gets in they win an FA Cup against Frank Lampard um <laughs> thank God <laughs> yeah thank God imagine if Lamps won that but see the pattern that Arsenal fans that I observe from Arsenal fans, if Chelsea fall into that by winning on Sunday, I mean, I don't think that's good for the overall trajectory of the football club. I think it gives you a temporary high, which maybe people would say that they need. This is why we support the club to win trophies, however we do it, whatever, whatever. But I need Liverpool to win a trophy. That's all. I, I need them to win on Sunday, effectively. Wait, wait, so, wait, so you want Liverpool to win? Want is a bit difficult for me to say, but need is not difficult. I need them to win. You know, it's the kind of game Chelsea would would, would find a way to win. Like, they're, they're one of those kinds of teams. Like, they'll, they'll lose to Scunthorpe or Winston Churchill United, but they'll find a way to beat Liverpool on Sunday. I know. So don't put it past. Like, Liverpool should win. They should win, but don't put it past the Chelsea, man. But no, how do you feel generally about what a trophy would signify? Or or do, or do you think it, it doesn't matter as much as maybe I think it does? I think, I think a trophy could be more problematic, man. You see, if Chelsea want to think big pick, pick, picture, it's, it's a freaking Carabao Cup, bro. Give it to Disney+. Plus. Because if you now win the trophy, it's a bomber's trophy. But by doing that, these guys now feel, oh, we are in the right direction. And it gives Pochettino more time. And they can say, oh, look. So my thing, because I'm sort of, it's like a, a double-edged sword. Because I, w- I want to be shameless. 
and preach about CS Chelsea won a trophy and they messed up Klopp's final season, Disney Plus. So that's just the anarchist in, in me wanting to do that for Chelsea to get a dub so I can now dunk on people. But that's micro level. Macro level, if he wins a trophy, they're like, yo, Posh, what's up? Whereas, no, sack this bomb, bring it. In. But you know what? Here's, here's the thing. You know what? It doesn't matter. Win or loss, it doesn't matter. These owners will be these owners. So let's say Chelsea don't win a trophy. They lose their crap, their garbage. Poch gets sacked. Who do you think they'll hire? They'll hire a Poch 2.0. <laughs> do you think that's the only... No, okay, so do you think if, if they, they lose the final and they start losing games and everything, they'll drastically change things? No. Like, their direction is their direction and they'll be steadfast in their direction. No, we want to be a glorified orphanage. So... Do you know, do, okay, for my point to be clarified, <laughs> I think I would need like the worst possible outcome ever in order to actually know what Chelsea fans are capable of doing relative to the ownership of their club. Meaning I would need them like relegated or in the relegation zone really to find out how strong is the kind of cult of Chelsea. Oh, it's strong. It's strong. Trust me, it's strong. So like, if Chelsea so, gets relegated, that's called things changing, bro. Hell no. So basically, my wanting it to get as bad as possible will not affect what Chelsea fans do to the stadium, in the arena, mm -mm. on online. I mean, maybe online it would get bad. Like, it yeah. would get oh, for sure. Online, but I don't think they care about that. Like the people who actually go to the games, how bad would it have to get for these people to actually do something? Not it's, violently, but like physically against those owners. It will be a vocal minority. No, there will be a section who will want to actually now physically do something for sure. But most of the fans, the worst they'll do it is, is boo and show their discontent. But most of those fans are like, it's Chelsea through and through. Like Chelsea... For most of these fans, they don't actually care about football. It's Chelsea is just their thing. Chelsea is their oxygen. Chelsea is their bread and butter. Like this is just my, this is just part of who I am, part of my being. So for them, that like the guy I interviewed at Stanford Bridge, I said, "Yo, like, what do you think about you know, man?" The guy was like, "Well, anything that Chelsea does, I've got to support because I'm a Chelsea supporter." I'm like, huh? <laughs> No, just give me your opinion. Do you think this is good about yourself? Well, if Chelsea does, I guess it's right. So, and the many guys from the show feel like that. You know, or like, or like the, as I, as I told you, the two fans who are sitting in front of me who spent all the time just um, spewing the most horrific expletives throughout the entire game. Where, okay, you're not, you're not actually watching the game. Mm. You're just here just to vent something. And for lots of these people, Especially these hardcore West London people, Cockney people. Who cares? Until Chelsea relegates it, they don't care about. But for the other guys, yeah, they're there, but they're outnumbered. They're outnumbered, but the guys were like, "No, well, we're Chelsea through and through. It doesn't matter." I think that's the sobering reality. Then I, I'd, I'd have again. I would need it clarified in its. Because the sobering reality is that there's nothing that can be done and there aren't enough people willing to do something even if it needed to be done. Um, that would affect change in a way that I think is necessary for mm. a club that I really don't even like anymore, <laughs> if I'm honest. So 
I mean, I'm not trying to save Chelsea, but if I were, the first thing I would do is like boycott. You know, BDS, like with you know Israel Palestine, boycott, oh, yeah, divest, yeah, yeah. and say like it's that with Chelsea. Like it needs to be boycotted, divested, and sanctioned. <laughs> That's the only way you fix this thing. Not the only way. I mean, there are other ways, but th- those are more like illegal. But like you can, <laughs> like the, these guys need to go. They've spent over a billion. They've been there two years. And I, I asked forward, because he's somebody who could do this if he wanted to. Name three good things that these people have done in two years. The best he could give me was they bought Strasbourg. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'll give that to you. I'll, I'll, I'll give that to you. That like starting a, a network of clubs like what City have with Girona and the one in Australia and New York City FC. Like setting up satellite clubs is good. Okay. Can you give me anything else? He was like, there are others. I'm like, forward, like, I need specifics. You can do this. And he couldn't come up with them. Or if he did, he wasn't willing to give them to me. So the best thing they've done is bought Strasbourg. And then maybe you could say, you know, they, they've bought Cole Palmer. But for every Cole Palmer, there's a Mudrick, there's a whatever, there's a Kukorea, there's what? Galaga. <laughs> oh, well, well, he was a little bit impossible. Either way, like, the, the, once you start going into transfers, there's tit for tat, and there's way more tats than tits. Pause. So, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> there's. A, I think we we went through them at one point. There's only like one or two good transfers that you could say, um, given the billion that they've that they've spent. So, they've given you nothing. Given they've given me. Let me let me just you know personalize it. They've given me nothing for my confidence. The only thing that would give you one confidence is a trophy, but you're giving a trophy to whom, and then what will they do with it? It's like a sinister reality of like, you give them the trophy, okay, but then what? They feel as if the path that they've gone down is now validated, justified, worth continuing. And I don't think it is. Because if you look at the team that they've played, they've almost fluked the final. But then, like you say, it's a game that Chelsea would just fuck around and win. Yeah. Because it's Chelsea. It's what they do. <laughs> they just win when they're not supposed to win. So it's the ultimate rock and hard place. But if you're a Chelsea fan, Abdullahi was like, Daniel, this is what you want. I want a trophy. <laughs> like, damn. Like, what can I say? He's a Chelsea fan. I know, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. But anyway. Um... Quickly, quickly, quickly. So we Chelsea drew with City. So City have dropped points um, since the last time we spoke. They beat Brentford, though. So the talk against Chelsea was Erling Haaland can't finish. I don't know where this has come from, but <laughs> he missed two headers, you might say. Now, I don't. I haven't played football in a long time. But one thing I do know, from the time that when I tried to play football, we can say heading is like the hardest thing to do. Heading it into that frame is very difficult. So for somebody who hasn't played in a long time and you're dealing with crosses that have whip on them from Kevin De Bruyne, I can't imagine how difficult it is to actually put a headed goal in in the goal or a, a headed cross. What am I trying to say? A cross with your head in the goal. There we go. Um, so I'm a bit more sympathetic to Holland in those chances. Other people aren't. I guess they see it as if, you know, they got to go. 
Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so just quickly, the title race is 57, 56, 55, or 58, 57, 56. It's, they're within a point of each other. So how are you feeling about the Premier League title race? And then we can get out of here. Interesting. My thing is just make, make it interesting. City are going to win. We all know they're going to eventually win because they have the squad. All I ask is, as a football consumer and as a football fan, make it interesting. Like, it would be good if it was a three-horse race until the end. The best thing for the Premier League is if Arsenal or Liverpool win. That would be the best thing for the, for the Premier League. Like, the, the most shocking alternative timeline is if Arsenal somehow swoop in and now say what's up. But my thing is that make it interesting. Like, three-horse race. So Arsenal still have to play City. Liverpool still have to play Man City. Keep it interesting. Because the worst thing is, City win both of those games. Then they're like five, six points. Ahead, like, but if it's like, because if it's like a three-horse race until the very end, I'm like, wow. But if you look at the fixtures, it's probably going to be decided before the, the last day of the season. Because you're looking at, um, I think United play Arsenal, second to last game. They play Ooh. Tottenham, third or fourth to the last game. You're like, it could be tricky. But yeah, just make it win. We know the ending, but how we get there, you know, let's let's get there in an interesting way. We, we, we know how, how, how the story ends, but let's actually make the storytelling interesting. So let's make the journey to the ending interesting. So, You know what? Last, last, last thing. I know you need to go. You know the coach who got sacked from Ivory Coast, Jean-Louis Gasset, mm. is now the, he- the manager of Marseille. Yeah, after the sacked Gatsuso, yeah. He spun AFCON failure into the, let's say, the second best job in terms of, you know, title in the, the whole of France. PSG would be number one. But Marseille's <laughs> two. How? I have no idea, bro. <laughs> I, that's now, I, that's I, what you I, call I, feeling upwards, bro. So I use the word caucasity. <laughs> Caucastic, I think is the word I use. I don't know how they do it. Failing I actually upwards. don't know how they do it. Failing upwards. <laughs> Amazing. It actually, round of applause, bro. I am, man. I don't know how you do that. I honestly don't. But anyway, you know, I'm not going to shout him out, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, Fi, Fit, MMR's Fi, he would never. Oh, they would. They would never. <laughs> but, you know, you know, complexion for the protection for the collection, as uh, Paul Moody might say. Anyway. Talking Tactics Podcast, we thank you guys for listening. Uh, check us out on Patreon. Check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, Half Hope is at halfhopefootballhut.com. I'm yes, at sir. Off Target. Carl's at Anchorman 616. All the links are in the description. Again, we thank you guys for listening. Talking Tactics Podcast, sometimes funny, sometimes serious. Always for the ball. Indeed. Peace. Peace. Sports Social Podcast Network.